Thank you. I know that we've let you talk for two minutes and like, you know, that's just like opportunity to have loads of fun. I'm hoping the fun will continue. Slightly concerned that um, I've now got to do a, a preach that appeals to children and adults alike. I am not known for my children's talks, so this is gonna be interesting. Just enjoy, laugh along with me, not at me. Um, and we're gonna, I'm in a psalm today, so we're doing a series of um, summer in the psalms. And in th so each of, the, each of the services will have some fun, hopefully. And I've chosen Psalm 139 today. And the reason that I've, I was a bit worried about choosing it, because it's one of those psalms that I think many of us know. And I suspect that many of us have either got a coffee cup with some of those verses written on, or we've got a fridge magnet, or a bookmark, or something at some point. It's like a really super famous psalm. And I was like, you know, this morning, we never hear psalms, uh, never hear a preach on Psalm 139, because I think we're a little bit over familiar with it. But I felt like I was going to redeem it this morning, bring it back home. And I love this psalm because actually, although it is an encouragement, I actually think this psalm deals with everything that happens on our inside. It's about what goes on with us. What this psalm actually does, it deals with, I'm going to use a really long word, sorry kids, narcissism, narcissism, can't even say it. So it deals with narcissism. It deals with our own ego. It deals with our own stuff. Because all that this psalm does is point us to who God is and how big God is and how worthy God is of all of our love and all of our adoration. It takes it out of ourselves and makes God big. Yes! I need a hallelujah for that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Right. So... Um, Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, president from the States a long, long time ago, said this, comparison is the thief of all joy. I'm sure many of you have heard that as a statement before. And we know that when we compare ourselves to one another, we can sometimes find ourselves lacking. Right, I need a little bit of help. I have got fruit in front of me, fruit that we all know. So... Uh, somebody tell me what this is. Apple. Yeah, you can just shout it out, it's fine. Somebody tell me what this is. Orange. Are they both fruit? Yes. Are they the same? No. Okay, what makes them different? Go on, Oscar, shout it out for me. They're different colours, excellent. Anyone over here? They're different colours. Yes, they're different colours. This is why I don't do children's talks, right? <laughs> Someone shout out. One is an apple, one is an orange. Yes, very good. They taste different. Very good. I love that answer. But listen, we know that this is like, this has got like wrinkly skin slightly. This has got nice, smooth, shiny skin. We, we know that they're entirely different and we can't actually compare these two, although they are both fruit. We know that they live in the family called fruit. They probably, possibly live on your fruit basket on the side of your house or in our house. They live there for long enough till I have to put them in the food waste. But, but, they're fruit, but they're different. We can't compare apples and oranges. 
And yet we spend our lives, don't we, I think, comparing ourselves to other people and working out whether they're better than us or whether we're better than them. And we spend our lives trying to work out, oh, I wish I was as good as them at that, or I wish I was as good at them at that. I was thinking about this, because um, I knew Tom was leading worship this morning. Tom, would you just come up just for a second? Sorry, just be my illustration. Like, come and stand next to me. Like... Right. Right. Let's play that game. I can't. There are things that Tom can do that I will not be able to do. Like, he can reach the top of a kitchen cupboard. Oh, yeah, and in the supermarket. You can do that. You can. Sorry, Tom, thank you very much. And there are things that I can do that Tom can't. Like, I can get to the floor quicker than he can because I've got less distance to go. But I can't compare myself to other people. And, I mean, that was a bit of fun. But actually, the reality is that it's the stuff that goes on in our head that causes damage. The stuff that we... The lies that we actually believe and think, oh, I wish I was. And here, the psalmist David is telling us that actually you can't compare yourself to other people. The only person that is worth all of that attention is God. And none of us are God. Therefore, we are always going to be less than God. And so just give God the attention. Just give him the attention. He is the only one worthy of the attention. So let's just begin to read. I'm just going to read it and make some comments. Um, So starting at verse 1, it says this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Isn't that amazing? Like, you know, when you, um, anybody do a Google search every now and again, like I live on Google, and, um, and like you've got to get the right words into Google to get the results that you're looking for. Yeah? Whereas you kind of know, even when I get it wrong, when I'm praying and I'm speaking to God, even when I get it wrong, he actually knows what, what I mean. You know, he understands my heart. He understands your heart. So even if the words that you come out of your mouth feel all gibberish, it's okay because God, God is infallible. Google is fallible, but God is infallible. God never gets it wrong because he knows everything. God knows you, he created you, and he is the source of you. And then the next few verses speak about God being everywhere. Or the fancy word is omnipresent. It says this, You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. These are beautiful verses, and they are verses of utter assurance. 
we read these verses, because God doesn't lie to us. So we read these verses, and what we discover is that God is around us all of the time. And I don't know about you, but the writer has done something really cool in the middle of the verses. What he's given us is he's given us a compass. I don't know if you can work that out. If you look, he talks about the heavens. When we think about the heavens, the heavens, we always think of it being up, north, if you like. And then he talks about the depths of the sea. So that would be south. And then he talks about rising on the wings of the dawn, which would be the east, and settling on the far side of the sea, contrasting it with the west. Right in the middle of this psalm, God's given us a compass. Sorry, the psalmist has given us a compass. And it's a way of describing and illustrating that God is everywhere all of the time when you're awake and when you're asleep and in your struggling moments and in your happy moments. And there is nowhere on this planet or outside of this planet that God is not. Yes. It's really reassuring. And not just everywhere, but even at night. Now, I know Oscar has agreed to help me out here. So, Oscar, would you just come? He has agreed. I'm a bit worried I might ruin his hairstyle. Oh, look, he just shrugged. He's like, that's all right, Jazz. Yes, Oscar. Oscar, thank you. Right. Take a look, because it's the last time we're going to get a look at him. Right, you okay if I cover you up now? Okay. Okay. I'll have to get my mic back on. Right, here. Anybody tell me what colour clothes Oscar was wearing? Oh. Go on, somebody in the back, shout out for me. Blue? Pink? Pink, let me just check. Okay, no. Green, yeah, green shorts. What colour was his top? Green and white. Somebody was paying attention. Oh, Thomas, can you tell me what colour his trainers were? Blue, well done, Thomas, thank you. Okay, can somebody tell me what color his eyes are? Blue. Blue. Parents, are they right? Blue eyes, okay. I figured the parents would know if nobody else would know, right? I hope the parents would know, right? Right, now, can someone tell me how many hairs he's got on his head? <laughs> Are you going to have a guess at the back? Millions. I don't know, actually. <laughs> right, come on. Out you come. Thank you very much. Can we give him a hand, please? <laughs> the whole point of that, obviously, was that, you know, there are some things we know about Oscar. We knew how high he was. You could see even when he was covered up. And some of you remembered what he was wearing and what colours he was wearing. And some of you who are friends with Oscar knew what colour his eyes was. But nobody knew how many hairs he had on his head. The only person that knows the actual answer is God. 
because he knows everything about Oscar. And when Oscar did his hair this morning, and he did do his hair, because I can see that he's got products in it, when he did his hair this morning and he brushed it, the hairs that fell out onto the brush, in, in an instant, God can compute that. Like, that's just mental, isn't it? But, but that's not even of interest to us, and yet God can hold that in his mind, somehow. Um, which I absolutely just, it just blows me away when you realise that God is just absolutely involved in every part of your life. Then the next few verses are what I call the Christian coffee cup verses. These are the verses that always appear on a coffee cup. They appear in your fridge magnet. It says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. God knows all about you. There is nothing that he doesn't know. And for all of the advances in technology that we have in this world, for all of the advances that we have in terms of healthcare and medicine understanding and everything that we have, there is a point in time when the only person knew, knew, who knew of your arrival on planet Earth was God. Just let that sink in. You guys might have to explain that to your kids later on. But um, th there is a point in time where the only person who is confident that you have arrived on planet Earth is God. Just between the unformed body and God. God knows all about you. David has spent the last 18 verses making much of God and declaring how, God, how great God is. The God that is everything and with us all of the time. God, David has painted this huge picture of God. When we measure ourselves, like I can say I'm five foot, we can quantify ourselves, we can give a number over ourselves. But we can't quantify God. There is no number that we can assign to God that would like reduce him to a formula. God cannot be measured. And when we try and compare ourselves with God, as I've already said, we find ourselves looking much worse. We don't know what he knows, and we can't see what he sees. He knows the future and the past and everything in between. Essentially, there's no point doing things our way. We need to work out that God is bigger, so let's just do it his way. Um, I drive a relatively small car, and uh, it's not quite a Mini, but it's not much bigger than a Mini. And I always give way to the big cars. I just do. God is bigger than me. I'm going to give way to God. In Matthew 27, Jesus tells us this. He says, the greatest thing that we can do is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
if we choose to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, we are basically agreeing with all the things that David wrote here, that God is bigger than us. David ends his psalm with a prayer, and he says this. It's a really incredible prayer, and it's one that I would encourage you to pray. Right at the end, he says this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a bold prayer to pray. Because when we go to God and we say, search me and test my heart, he will. And there are things that you will discover about yourself that you know that you are going to have to deal with. It's not a bad thing to do because what you're doing is aligning yourself with God and submitting to him. Praying this prayer is powerful. It expresses a desire to be transformed by God to do his work. You're basically saying, show me God and change me. When we compare ourselves to one another, it never does us any good. When we compare ourselves to God, we realize that God is the real deal and God is bigger. Going his way is the way. That's me. That was my shortest talk ever. <laughs> I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to hand back to Lekki. Yeah. Oh. Father, I thank you so much that you know us. You know us intimately. You know us inside out. And you love us. Father, you know the stuff that we struggle with. You know the stuff that causes us problems. And you still love us. You know the stuff when we get it wrong. And you still love us. Father, I thank you. There is nowhere we can go in this world that can get away from you. There's nothing we can do that would stop you from loving us. And Father, I do pray that you would search our hearts, help us to search our hearts. Father, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to bring revelation and conviction where we need conviction. That, Father, we would be men and women that grow in you. That, Father, we would know what it is to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Amen. <laughs>